Well, good morning, Reach Church. Hope you enjoyed this morning's worship so far. You know, we've been in a series, and I'm going to wrap this up on spiritual warfare. And I don't know about you, but what I've seen over the last 30 or so years of being around church is that when, when a preacher preaches on something, the enemy gives you an opportunity to practice, amen? We were in our little meeting before that, and I'm like, don't pray for patience, whatever you do, <laughs> right? You're going to get the opportunity to, to practice that. And so this week has been, uh, these few weeks, there's been some spiritual warfare going on. As as you learn about it, then he's like, oh yeah, let's see what you got. Let's see if you're listening. Let's see if you've been spending time in prayer, time in God's word. So there has been some spiritual warfare going on, not just here, but uh, in people's lives. And so uh, I hope you have been listening. I'm going to recap just briefly before we go into this week's sermon. We've been talking about standing firm and understanding spiritual warfare. 1 Corinthians 16, 13 says, Be on guard. And stand firm in the faith. Be courageous and be strong. God has called us to be those things. To be courageous and be strong. When the enemy attacks, don't fall back. But stand firm in him. Pastor Derek talked about strongholds. That a stronghold is a prisoner locked by deception. Living life by something that is not true. The enemy wants to get in here and mess with your mind and to try to tell you things that are lies. A stronghold is anything that exalts himself in our minds pretending to be bigger or more powerful than our God. Here are three realities Pastor Derek talked about that you need to understand. Number one, the devil, the enemy is real. He talked about the fact that the greatest thing that the enemy has done is to make us believe that he is not real. I know Halloween is coming up, harvest, whatever you want to call it. You'll see little kids dressed up in red suits. That's not the enemy. Amen. It's a representation of a joke about the enemy at best. Jesus said, and no wonder For Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. Why? So that you won't know that you're in a battle. The second thing was that the devil's goal is to destroy us. John 10.10 says that the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. He has one purpose. And one purpose only. And that is to kill, steal, and destroy in your life. But the great thing is that the devil always responds to a higher authority. And that is our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. It says the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. He who is in you is greater than he that's in the world. Because you have Christ in you, you can win. No matter what the enemy tries to tell you, you can win this battle and last week Pastor Derek talked about three spiritual weapons that help us stand firm the first is of course the name of Jesus 
And we, ha- we can use the name of Jesus to overcome sickness. We can use the name of Jesus to overcome demonic forces that are attacking us. If we ask anything in his name, amen, because his name is powerful. Of course, we have the blood of Jesus, and we can declare the blood of Jesus to overcome condemnation. Having been around this and being a pastor for many years, I think the greatest attack on, on believers is, is condemnation. You slip and you fall, you do something wrong, maybe it's something in your past, the enemy brings it up over and over and over again to condemn you. And we can declare the blood of Jesus to overcome that condemnation. Because the blood of Jesus is powerful, amen? And of course, the word of Jesus. You've got to know the word of God and use it to overcome the lies of the enemy. That's why we need to spend time in prayer and studying so that when the enemy comes against us, we can do no different than Christ did and use the word of God against him. That's why we've got to spend more time in our Bibles. Not the newest movie on Netflix or I always make fun of Friends. I don't even think I've seen an episode of Friends. Not the newest, the, the newest rerun of Friends. Are there any friend, fan, friends of, you guys like the, the show Friends? I apologize. I use that all the time. I don't know why. Uh, it's just, just my thing, I guess. Here's what Jesus said in John chapter 8. If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. And that's a great verse to to segue into what we're going to be talking about today. We're going to be talking about six ways to be fully armed for spiritual warfare. We're going to talk about we are in a battle. And you must be armored up to win this battle. Here's what it says in Ephesians chapter 6. Finally, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might, mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when, you, when that day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the, breast, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. You see, don't leave your house without your armor. Because the enemy is looking for a place that he can't attack. It says that he's a roaming lion seeking whom he may devour. And he's looking not for your strongest point. He's looking for for your weakest point. Now, I'm not, I was not a military man, but I know if I was, I would not go after someone's strength. 
I'd go after their weakness. True? I mean, I would not attack in the thing that I know that they're strongest against. I would attack in their weakest link. So whatever your weakest link might be, because you don't have your armor on that day, that is where the enemy is going to attack. How many military, ex-military in here? Thank you guys for your service. When you guys went into battle, assuming you went into battle, did you check your gear like 50 million times to make sure you didn't forget something? Because once you get out there, you can't go, time out, I brought the wrong bullets. Right? I mean, I'd be checking everything. I want to tell you, when, when Kelly and I fly, or when we flew as a family, man, I would check our tickets, put them away. Like five minutes later, check the tickets. Put them, I mean, I just, I did not want to mess anything up. So I can imagine being in the military. Man, you check your stuff over and over again. Why? Because you want to know when you hit it, you're ready. And you know, there's nothing worse than trying to win a battle with the wrong equipment. You know what I mean? As the old saying goes, never bring a gun to a, never bring a, a knife to a gunfight. Right? You don't want to bring the wrong stuff. You got to be wearing your armor and prepared for action because the enemy is looking to attack. In 2 Corinthians, here's what it says. For we walk, for though we walk in the flesh. Anyone here walk in the flesh? We do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God. For pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. You know what that tells me? That our, that our weapons that we try to use sometimes that are carnal, they don't work against the enemy. You're using the wrong weapons. Anybody like to putt-putt golf? I love putt-putt golf, and I'm good at it, just so you know. We went with the wise group. Kelly had like three holes in one, and she still ended up like 50 putts behind me. So you get up there, and you putt-putt golf, and you got your driver. Right? Oh, you don't take a driver? Oh, you mean you've got to bring the right equipment to win the battle, right? You've got to have the right equipment. And if you're trying to use carnal weapons to fight a spiritual battle, you will lose. You know what I mean? Now, I have been putt-putt golfing, and I wish I had my driver one time. You've got to put on your armor. If you don't put on your armor, you leave yourself in a vulnerable position on the spiritual battlefield. So we're going to talk about the armor today. Number one, you've got to put on truth. It's interesting of all the things that Paul talks about, the six things, that he starts with truth. Because I don't know about you, but when I got dressed today, I didn't put on my belt first. Anybody put on their belt first? No way. But I think that the belt of truth is so important that if you do not have truth, the truth, C 
cinched up around you that the lies of this world and of the enemy will affect all the other parts of your equipment. You have to have truth. And I know in today's society, truth's been taking a beating. I was reading a blog, and here's what he said. The concept of truth has clearly fallen on hard times, and the consequences rejecting it are ravaging human society. And I find fault in that. Here's why. A truth has come on fall time, hard times. The truth never does. Amen. Because the truth is the truth, no matter what. In fact, Jesus said that I am the way, the truth, and the life. That's not a truth. That is the truth. And unless you have that wrapped around you, the Bible uses the term girded around you. Take it everywhere that you go. Every situation, family life, business. The holidays are coming up. Enjoy that Thanksgiving dinner with your relatives. Christmas with your relatives. But keep truth. Because I don't know about you, but the weirdest conversations happen when you get around relatives. Amen? Keep truth wrapped around you. Remember when Pilate asked what is truth? He didn't really want to know. That same cynicism that he had has gripped our society today. They don't really want to know what truth is. They want their own truth. Lecrae has an older song uh, that says, if you've got your truth and it's right, and I've got my truth and it's right, what if my truth says your truth is a lie? We seem to have come to an, a problem. And that's what happens in society when they don't have the truth. You see, Pilate left the room as soon as he asked that question. Because he didn't want to know. He didn't want to know. Imagine what could have happened had he listened to the truth. Amen? Pilate in the world today is full of that same cynicism. It was a rhetor, uh, really a rhetorical question. A cynical response to what Jesus had just revealed. I have come into the world to testify to the truth. I've come in to tell you the truth. And this is the only truth that will get you through each and every day of your life. Any other truth will cause the enemy to attack and win. You see, the belt of truth isn't a fashion accessory. It's not a nice hat or a scarf that you change based on your attire. It's something that you have to take with you each and every day. It's needed to survive in a time where everyone has his own truth. You see, we need a, a true north, if you will. And that true north is only Christ, the truth. You know, whenever someone comes to the Lord or is, is struggling in their faith, Pastor Derek always points them to the book of John. And you want to learn about Christ? Read the book of John. Now, every book is amazing in its own right. But something about the book of John, 
Spend time in the book of John. Here's the second thing. You've got to put on righteousness. That breastplate of righteousness that covers us. Here's what Ephesians says. It says to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. See, we're in a spiritual war. And the enemy doesn't fight fair. And one of the ways he tries to win is by affecting our mind. To make us believe that you are less than who Christ says that you are. And you need that righteousness wrapped around your heart. So that when the enemy attacks, say, no, no, no. It's not about my righteousness, enemy. Because I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. Amen? It's not about our righteousness. You try to live up to your righteousness, you will crash and burn. Because your righteousness is not all that righteous. Amen? And that's not to be a put down. That's That's just to tell you the truth. Pastor Derek likes to quote Warren Wisby all the time about truth. That truth without love is brutality. And love without truth is hypocrisy. We need truth. But it has to be wrapped in love. You see, it's not about your righteousness. It's about his righteousness. And Christ, as we sang this morning, paid that price. 2 Corinthians 5.21 For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that we might become the righteousness of God. Did you know that you're the righteousness of God? It almost sounds weird, doesn't it? Like calling a Pinto a Lamborghini. I mean, I'm the righteousness of God? Now, if you don't know what a Pinto is, wow. I don't even know where to start if you don't know what a Pinto is, right? If you do know what a Pinto is, you know what I'm talking about. Wait a minute, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ? How is that possible? I'm so miserable. I've done so many things that are terrible. I haven't lived the life that God would require me to live. You're the righteousness of God in Christ. I want you to remember that. That's why he says to put on that breastplate of righteousness to protect your heart from the enemies. And it's only through his sacrifice that we can put on the righteousness of God. You're covering your most vital organs with that breastplate of righteousness. Protecting them from the enemy's lies about who you are, about who I am in Christ. Amen? And you can't win a spiritual war thinking you are less than who you are in Christ. You'll find a foxhole and never come out of it. Instead of attacking the enemy where his weaknesses are. And you know what his weakness is? Jesus Christ. When the enemy attacks him, oh, no, 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 no. Not so, enemy. I've been bought by the blood of Jesus Christ. So you can't win, and he hates that. Number three, you've got to put on the gospel. Not just for yourself, but for those around you who don't understand the gospel, who need the gospel, who maybe they've heard it, but they haven't heard it. You see, I heard the gospel a lot when I was a kid. I grew up in a denominational church, and I didn't even know that there were any other books other than Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They never preached anything but that, and that's fine. But I never really 
heard the gospel. Amen? Kelly says I don't listen to her like I used to. I blame it on my ears. That's all I can say. You know, the same thing happens with the gospel. You might hear it, but you don't really hear it. You don't hear it where you need to hear it. Here is the gospel. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. That is the gospel. That is the good news. We have to take that with us wherever we go so that when the enemy attacks, go, no, 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 no. I've read the story. He died for my sins, and he rose again. And that makes me a winner, amen? You know, something about your feet firmly in the right shoes. You know, there's nothing like a good pair of shoes, amen? Any shoes people out there? I don't want to tell them, Pastor Derek, he's a shoe person. And that's okay. But when your feet are not in the right shoes, it's miserable. It's a long day, isn't it? Remember the old Nike commercial, It Must Be the Shoes? It wasn't. They're great athletes. They could be great athletes no matter what shoes they wore. But we have to have the right shoes on. Because without the right shoes on, the gospel of peace, it will be a long, long life for you, for your family, and for your friends. No different in a spiritual battle. You have to bring peace, the right shoes with you into every situation. Bring peace. The peace that Christ brings. Not the peace that the world gives. Because that peace is not peace. It's a piece of something, but it's not peace. Whereas the gospel of peace, if we take it everywhere we go, people will want to be around you. People will long to be around you because you bring something that they don't get. Amen? Here's what it says in John 14, verse 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives. Not as the world gives. Let your heart not be troubled. Neither let them be afraid. Listen, don't let your hearts be troubled. We're going to have some, in my lifetime, we've had some troubles. Amen? People think the last couple years have been trouble. They, they missed the first 50 some years that I've been around. There's always something going to happen. Amen? Be prepared. Take Christ's peace with you because life is going to happen. Be prepared for it. Take peace with you. Peace that comes from trusting Christ who did it all, who paid it all, and is all. Rest under that anointing that God pours out in times of battle, in times of spiritual battle. You see, the things that we're talking about, 
the breastplate of righteousness and the belt. It's not like you go into your closet and you put these on. You go into your prayer closet and you put these things on. Amen? They're not carnal weapons. They're spiritual weapons. And the only way that you can put on a spiritual weapon is spiritually. And so again, you've got to spend time in prayer. You've got to spend time in His Word. That's how you put on those spiritual weapons. That's how you put on your, your spiritual armor, is spending time in Him. Here's what 2 Chronicles 20 says. That is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army. For the battle is not yours, but God's. That's what putting on your spiritual armor is. It's allowing him to battle for us. All you're doing is just protecting us so you don't get hit by shrapnel. God's doing the battle. Amen? Number four, you've got to put on faith. Sometimes it just takes faith. Now, not blind faith. Not blind faith. But seeing God come through in a situation go, well, God, if he can do it here, then he can do it here. And then if he can do it here, guess what? He can do it here. And next thing you know, you're 10 problems down the road, and you're like, wow, God really has my back. You've got to put on faith. Now, when I envision a shield, I think of the star-spangled banner one that Captain America holds. I've seen it. Do you know what? I've never seen the movie. I don't know why. And that little one kind of protects your, your torso at best. It's kind of small. But you know in the Roman army, they were big. You could do a whole body at one time. They were like five, over five feet tall. And I think... When Paul was writing this, he was thinking, because he was a Roman soldier, because he had been in Roman prisons, because he was guarded, guarded by Roman guards, he was delivered to Rome by Roman guards, he had seen and lived under Roman oppression in his country for so long, I think he had time to really think, man, you know, all the stuff that they put on is so important for a certain reason. I think he's, he's thinking through that as he's, he's writing this. And then he gets to the shield. And I'm sure that he had seen attacks, Roman soldiers attack, and he had seen them come together as they did with their shields around and then shields on top. They made like a little turtle, if you will. And he said, man, that's how our faith needs to be. Protecting us around, protecting us on top. Because when the enemy attacks, he's going to attack from all over. So you need that shield to protect you. That shield to protect you from the enemy's advances. Because I don't think it was just a defensive weapon. I think they could use that shield to knock things away as well. To keep the enemy at bay, at arm's length, if you will. The shield of faith covers our most vulnerable spots, especially our heart. 
and the heavy shield can withstand the impact of those fiery arrows that the enemy is shooting at you each and every day. Do you ever feel like in your faith you take like two steps back, maybe one, three, five steps back, you know, forward and backwards, and you're forward and you're back. It's like Monopoly. Don't pass go, right? You're always moving forward in your faith, and something happens, and then you move back. You move forward a little bit, and then you move back. You need that shield of faith to protect you. Here's what Jude says. But you, beloved, building yourself up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourself in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. Again, not blind faith. This is just our Christian walk. We build up faith that as God fulfills his promises in our life, we can take another step. And then he fulfills another promise. And then you take another step. We have to have that shield of faith around us. Because the enemy will whisper in your ear to get you to lower your shield. You have to talk about faith. Talk about faith. Have you ever read the story of Job? Job, despite being reduced from riches to rags, never lost faith. He continued and believed God. And afterwards, he was blessed with even more than he had lost. Maybe that's where you're at in your walk today. Maybe you're like, God, I don't know. It just seems like I just keep losing. Don't lose faith. Amen. Trials will happen. But standing on your most holy faith in times of battle will get you through the toughest times on your faith journey. Hebrews 10.38, I don't have a slide for this, but here's what I put in. By my righteous one, we'll live by faith. And I take no pleasure in the one who shrinks back. But we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but to those who have faith and are saved. Life is going to happen. Don't lose faith. Don't shrink back. Keep moving forward in the middle of your battle. Because you just may be at the very end of your battle. Remember, he's working out all things for those that love and are called according to his purpose. I believe you've been called to his purpose. And I believe that you love him, so don't give up. Hold tight in the midst of your battle. Number five, you've got to put on salvation. Put on the helmet of salvation. Protect your mind from those things that are swirling around that the enemy would attack you with. Cover your mind with the truth of God so that no matter what happens in life, you're like, mm-mm. I know I've been saved. I know I've been bought with a price. No matter what you say, enemy, I am moving forward. 
In John 5, he, wrote, he writes, He who wears, hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment, but has passed from death into life. You've passed from death into life. Don't head back that direction again. Stay strong on the life side. You have to remember the salvation while you're in this battle. Remember, the enemy is going to attack your mind. He's going to try to condemn you. Don't allow him. Don't let him in there. Keep that helmet of salvation, salvation protecting you. That salvation that was a free gift from God. See, when you mess up, and we all mess up. Can I be honest? Everyone's going to mess up. It's okay. It's okay. God's called you to bigger and better things. Keep moving forward. Because salvation is not something we can work toward. We receive it freely. Keep living in there. Here's what it says in Romans chapter 8. Who can separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress, persecution or famine or nakedness, or danger or sword? No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. More than conquerors. Listen, I would just like to be a conqueror, amen? But he says that we're more than conquerors. Imagine that you're in a battle. You're like, listen, I just want to live through this one. And God's like, it's not about just living through it. It's about being more than a conqueror. Through him who loved us. For I'm sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present or things to come, nor powers nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. You see, once you've received that love, you've been brought into the family, nothing can separate you from His love. Do not ever let the enemy lie to you. And tell you anything different. Because that is a lie. You have been bought by a, with a price. The greatest price that has ever been paid. And that makes you special. God's love is so amazing. That he has wrapped it around you. Never take off that helmet of salvation. Never allow the enemy to creep into your mind and tell you that you are less than who God says that you are. Because nothing can separate us from that. Lastly, you've got to put on God's word. 
got to spend time in his word. You've got to sharpen your sword. You've got to pre- be prepared for battle. You army guys, I know you guys in the Air Force and Navy and Marines, you guys all go to boot camp, best time, eight weeks of your life, right? Did you learn everything that you had to learn about being in the military in those eight weeks? No. You know what those eight weeks were for? To get you in shape. To get you prepared to learn. You know, that's what God's word is all about. Basic instructions before leaving earth. Spend time in God's word. Learning about who he is. Learning about who you are in him. We do not, I repeat, we do not spend enough time in God's word. We do not spend enough time in his word. Matthew Henry's commentary says this. This sword has the ability to trample any objections to Christianity posed by Satan. A single text can reassure us when the devil assails us with heavy blows. Deuteronomy says, You shall therefore lay up these words of mine in your heart and in your soul. Lay them up. So that when the enemy attacks, you've got them prepared. Remember in Joshua, he said he was going to meditate on God's word day and night. Keep them close to his heart. Why? So that when the enemy attacked, he's like, nope, I've got this. I know what God says about me. I'm not going to let him in. I'm not going to let him win this battle. If we are lacking in knowledge of God's word, we will struggle to fight against the enemy. It's simple as that. Here's what Hebrews chapter 4 says. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the dividing of soul and of spirit, of joint and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intents of the heart your thoughts and intent, and others' thoughts and intents. You see, the Word of God can even separate spiritual things that seem completely intertwined, such as soul and spirit. It's a graphic, here's what I wrote, it's a graphic explanation of how completely God's Word can distinguish between the godly and the ungodly. To man, the soul and the spirit seem un distinguishable, but the Word of God can even discern between those things. This incredible cutting power of Scripture is therefore a tool to separate our very thoughts into good and to evil. You see, we can use the Word of God to even judge ourselves. Where are we at in this battle? The Bible provides everything we need to know The difference between truly selfless spiritual deeds and acts which are actually selfish and ungodly. We can use it to to make sure that we have ourselves in the right spots when the battle happens. And the battle 
will happen. The battle is happening. And the battle will continue to happen. Put on your spiritual armor and prepare for battle. You see, I don't want you to go into battle without your armor. No wise soldier would ever go into battle without his armor. So spend time in your prayer closets. Spend time in God's word. Putting on, not carnal things, but spiritual things. Amen? Because we are in spiritual warfare. Why don't you stand this morning? Heavenly Father, thank you for giving us spiritual things that we can put on for a spiritual battle. Will you give us more time to spend time in your word? Oh, when things seem so crazy around us, Help us to carve out time, to spend time in prayer and to spend time in your word. Pastor Derek's talked all this year about finding our 15, but I think you desire us to spend even more time with you so that when the battle rages, we'll be fully covered from the head to the feet. Prepared for battle. Thank you, Father, that the battle is yours. You allow us to participate in a battle that you've already won. I've read the end of the book, you win. But we've got to walk out this walk of faith day in and day out. Covered with the belt of truth breastplate of righteousness our feet firmly fitted with the gospel of peace the helmet of salvation Father God the shield of faith the sword of the spirit which is the word of God but we have to put those things on us to win this battle, Father. The battle of our mind, the battle of our hearts, where the enemy would attack. Father God, I pray for this church that it will spend time putting on not carnal weapons, Father, but spiritual weapons for a spiritual battle. Will you remind us when we're at home get in your word. 
Spend time in your prayer closets. Father God, when we're wasting time, will you remind us that the time is short? And that you've called us to do great things for your kingdom. And we can only do that as we advance your kingdom by winning this spiritual warfare. Father God, make us make us the soldiers that you would desire us to be. When we're struggling, remind us of who we are in Christ, of what Christ has done for us. about the righteousness that we have in you, about the love that we have in you, about the peace that we have in you, about the truth that we have in you. Father God, never allow our faith to falter, but continue to fulfill those promises that you've made to us so that we can build up our most most holy faith seeing that you continue to come through in our lives time and time again in Jesus precious name and everyone said amen have a blessed rest of your week God bless you and youth we'll see you tonight